Don't think healthcare professionals have any business experience? Think again. No topic is off limits as we share tales from our brave hosts who will always tell it like it is. We are hashtag no filter healthcare. Here to guide you through your healthcare journey are your hosts, Taylor Dunn and Tamara Donda. We want to thank our sponsor, Uptime Health, the leading healthcare equipment and compliance management software company for bringing this podcast to fruition. Visit UptimeHealth.com to learn more. Let's get started. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hashtag No Filter Healthcare. Um, as you can tell, I am not Tamara or Taylor. I'm taking over for them. They're probably on a beach somewhere doing, you know, quote unquote, market research, but, you know, they, they've earned it. Uh, but today I have our guest speaker, Chase Torres, as, from the Bearded Biomed podcast. Chase, I'd love to learn more about you. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your, even your own podcast? Uh, yeah. First off, appreciate you guys having me. Um, so I am a biomed as with the name of the sign. Um, I've been in the field for uh, approximately almost 15 years, been, uh, army trained, did, came up through the ranks, uh, as a biomed for eight years in the army and then got into the civilian fray because, uh, you know, wanted to have more of an impact in actual patient healthcare, um, been doing that ever since uh, out here in Dallas Fort Worth and the podcast itself just kind of originated you know organically through you know one I needed something to do that's productive because I always have to be doing something and two the the wife is tired of me <laughs> complaining I needed something to do so it's it's kind of been a love child and a device for me to one air grievances, but also speak to so many people in my industry, um, you know, their thoughts, their views, uh, kind of create a community and a camaraderie through the podcast. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. You know, when I, when I first heard that you're coming on, I went ahead and did some research on some of your other podcasts that you've done. And sounds like you asked some interesting questions and it looks like you do want to get to the heart of a lot of issues. So I really appreciate that from the outside looking in. I'll give you a little bit of my background as a biomedical engineer. And I worked at some of the large health systems doing at least the management of the clinical engineering department. And we saw a lot of issues too. Like, and there was a lot of things that we wish could be better, um, things that we wanted to be fixed industry-wide. So what I wanted to do is give you another platform to just talk about those things as well. And one of the questions, you know, that's probably top of mind to a lot of people today is the overall, you know, pressure that's put on biomeds today, as well as the shortage of just available technicians. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, how that affects you and your day to day, but how you think about that just from being somebody in the industry and what you think could be a potential solution. So the topic when it comes to, you know, shortage and also awareness of our field in regards to labor, um, it's been an ongoing issue. This isn't something new. It's been a topic of concession for decades now within our industry. Um, we've made strides certainly through the avenues that, you know, Amy has put together through the HTM in a box, um, you know, BMED apprenticeship program. Uh, we have biomed programs like the college of biomedical equipment technology down San Antonio, making strides and, you know, virtual reality, allowing people that can't go to a physical class, uh, access to the training and the education and the community. Uh, we have, you know, I think more awareness built 
through the community, you know, partially by my podcast, but also we have several other podcasts and several other uh, social media avenues through the Better Biomed channel, uh, Justin's channel on YouTube. We have uh, HTM Insider, Sherelle's podcast. We have Tech Nation podcast. We have 24-7 MedCore's podcast. Uh, Bryant uh, with HTM on the line. So we have a lot of avenues. However, if we want to get to the root of the matter is a lot of people still don't know that we're out here doing the work day to day. And this has been exacerbated through, you know, we don't have the same um, outreach that most other professions might. Um, one thing that might be interesting is, you know, a lot of uh, science, math, technology uh, career fields are fielded through the STEM program that, you know, we can get a lot of other people into. The biomed field, biomedical equipment technology is not listed as a STEM program, which we all three of those. And right there, if that was put onto the STEM program, which I have actually reached out to the Department of Labor, and if that was facilitated, we could overnight have our numbers filled uh, just through, you know, the, the H-1B visa program through, you know, STEM and everything. Um, but, I mean, if we get back to the root of the matter is, you know, in the United States, we only have roughly nine to 10,000 biomeds total. And through that avenue, <laughs> over I'd say probably 50% or more are in that retirement range already. Uh, we're going to have a mass exodus within the next decade or so of just people that are, you know, ready to retire. And rightly so they've, they've held down the fray for generations. It's, it's been incredible work they've done, but we need to fulfill that through a backlog supply. And, you know, that's kind of the discussion and it's getting to the breaking point to where, you know, we need to have five to 6,000 more biomeds by the year, 2028, and we're wondering where they're going to come from. Yeah, and that's more than we have today. That's not equating for the negation of the people retiring. That's we need 16, exactly. 20,000 people, not just to refill our stockpile. So, Chase, one of the things, you know, me coming from this industry and you being in this industry, we know and feel this problem. Can you speak to the audience about why biomeds are so important to the ecosystem uh, from your own words? Just let them know exactly, you know, why this is an issue and what. <laughs> what kind of role you play in the overall healthcare environment. I don't think a lot of people understand that. So funny you word it like that, because I just recently did a, an episode on YouTube for this because I, I, my goal is outreach. I want people to be knowledgeable about what we even do. So for those of you that are not attuned in the medical infrastructure, maybe you just have a family member that might be a nurse. Maybe you're just, let's look at it from a patient lens. So as a patient, you go into an ER, um, your clinic at your, you know, your local doctor, um, maybe a hospital for a major surgery, whatever. Any piece of medical equipment, any device that is hooked up to provide you care, whether it's patient monitoring uh, IV pump, PCA pump, uh, maybe a compression device, you know, maybe you just need better blood flow in your legs, hospital beds, uh, EKG, 
I mean, the fibular, the list goes on. I can name off hundreds of modalities, but any kind of medical device that is hooked up to you to provide you care to assist our medical professionals, our doctors, our nurses, our clinicians giving you that care. The biomed has a direct hand in maintaining the equipment, calibrating the equipment, repairing the equipment, and making sure it's overall safe and optimized by manufacturer specifications to ensure that you will not be harmed and that you're going to get the best care you possibly can get through that that device. Right. So for the audience, what we're hearing is without the right number of biomeds, it's going to be really tough for us to make sure that all of our devices are maintained and insured of high quality because there just isn't enough people to go around to service all that equipment once this mass retirement happens. So we don't get ahead of this labor shortage. As patients, we can potentially suffer. I wholeheartedly agree. Now, you talked earlier about trainings and some of these, you know, avenues that people have today. And obviously, Amy's done a great job of putting together programs and these apprenticeship things, which I I loved. Um, but one of the things that's also hot topic in, in our industry of biomedical engineering and uh, technicians is the right to repair debate and, you know, access to training, access to parts. Can you talk to me about your perspective of how this could be hindering some of that growth in that industry? So anybody that's familiar with me knows I've made my case very clear when it comes to right to repair. Um, oh, and Chase, you mind the, giving some background on right to repair? Sorry, I don't think a lot of our audience knows all these intricacies sure. that we cover. The, the right to repair movement, when it goes across the landscape of just, you know, society being aware of it you know it stems more than just medical devices it's our phones it's our cars it's our television sets it's anything as a consumer that you purchase you should have the right to have the ability to get the parts to make that fix either yourself or by somebody doing that service for you i mean if we get into the the nitty-gritty of medical devices you know, it's not something that's in the news every day as all the other, you know, categories of right to repair. It's just as critical, if not more critical, because here's where we're at with it. Um, it's we've had bills introduced multiple states, California, Texas, uh, everywhere. And the same thing goes back to. We do not have the bare minimum support from our manufacturers to allow us that are not directly tied to them to have access to service literature, parts, tech support, or training. And those are, I mean, that's bread and butter for any kind of technician in any kind of field to be able to facilitate a service. Because at the end of the day, that's what it is. We are servicing these medical devices. And as it is with the landscape right now, there are very much so, I would say most biomeds would agree with me that we are more than willing to sit at the table and make concessions and, you know, have some monicum of idea that, you know, manufacturers can agree to. Um, their issues primarily are that you'll go onto any social media landscape or uh, 
journalism landscape, Forbes magazine, or maybe lawmakers, pundits, um, analysts, what, whatever they decide to put their message on. And the main things that I usually read are if we allow access to any of these, then patient care, patient safety is going to be put at risk. So myself, along with, you know, people have been doing this job and this job solely for decades are being told that we are going to put patients at, at risk if we have access to service literature or better yet, what we would really like is training to service your special proprietary device. But the root of the problem is, is that if manufacturers give any concessions towards those, then, you know, that's chipping into their bottom line. That's chipping into their pocket. Um, I mean, what company is willy-nilly going to, you know, divulge their secrets to allow their competitors, because that's what they view us as, you know, to have access to continue the level of support on these medical devices that they feel only they can, which a lot of us are, I hate to tell you, but <laughs> we're getting this information, whether you like it or not, manufacturer, because we have biomeds in your company that divulge that in back, back alley ways, because otherwise the, the issue's not going to get, it's not going to get fixed. And at the end of the day, we have a job to do. And if that's compromising our healthcare facilities, being able to, you know, actually not turn away cases or, you know, have critical healthcare devices down, which costs money, which, you know, <laughs> healthcare facilities are already struggling as it is with COVID. So, you know, there's just a lot, there's a multitude of factors going into the, the right to repair movement. But at the end of the day, the root of the issues is in the manufacturer not willing to make any concessions to sit at the table with us. I think one of the things that you mentioned, which is obviously the manufacturers believe independent biomeds or ISOs, independent service organizations, don't have the capabilities or the technical know-how to repair their equipment. And that's one of their arguments to say, you know, if we gave it to them, they wouldn't do as good of a job with us. But I think me and you and everyone in the audience should know that, you know, back in 2018, the FDA put out a report that actually completely refuted that argument where they evaluated all of the service events or the majority of service events done by independents as well as manufacturers. And they found that there was no difference in quality of service. And in their findings, they actually put independent service organizations are necessary for this ecosystem to survive mainly for one of the reasons we just talked about earlier in the show, which is there's going to be a labor shortage, whether we like it or not. And if we can't empower the people who are out there doing the, the work that we need to do that, because even the manufacturers won't have that labor either over time, we have to support patients, period. That's our mandate, right? And so to not have that is really tough. So I appreciate all the work that you guys do and all the back-end alley kind of information sharing, whether, you know, that's taboo or not, because I think those biomeds are really looking for the patient, looking out for them more than, you know, the bottom line of the company, which to me speaks volumes of our industry as a, as a people. No, nobody gets into the biomed field because they want to make a wad of cash. 
we get into the field because we want to impact and make a difference in patients' lives. 70, 75% of our people in our field will recommend our field because of the reward that they get knowing of the job that they're doing day to day. And, you know, it's interesting you brought up the report because another thing people don't realize is a lot of manufacturers will tap on the shoulder of the ISO organization to facilitate, you know, services that they can't get technicians out to. We, we, do, we do warranty work for OEMs all the time. Simply because if we didn't, then the healthcare facility wouldn't get care at all from the, ma the manufacturer because maybe it's too rural, maybe it's lead time with parts, perhaps it's, you know, they don't have, they're dealing with their own labor shortages because at the end of the day, they're still biomeds too. And, you know, we don't have the numbers. So everybody's feeling it. If their issue is with us as, biomeds outside the OEM program that were not regulated. Well, this goes back to, I, I still feel that it's going to end up going to the FDA to ultimately make the decision that, okay, through what lens and what scope and through what parameters are the ISOs needing to be regulated? Because we're not going to be regulated to the level that manufacturers are. They have way more legality and other issues that they need to do because they're the ones actually making it. But for you saying as an OEM that we're not making strides to meet those levels. A lot of us are going and getting, you know, ISO 9001, 13485 certifications as a company to ensure that we're meeting those processes. And that's not brought up at all. You're taking that extra step that they wish you took. And you're like, well, we're already taking those steps. You're just not seeing it. Mm -hmm. I think, you brought up another good point earlier on when you were talking about, you know, the struggles and, you know, why this isn't seen as important or maybe it's not in the general audience's, you know, field of news every day. And you mentioned cars and TVs. And if you look at the right to repair today debates, all those that you see in the news systems are about the car manufacturers. And I think that happens to be because we all own cars. Most of us own cars. So we get to feel that impact of what that can mean to me as a person. Over time, we're moving healthcare into outpatient and in-home environments. So there's going to be a world very soon where those medical devices that you and your team and all the other biomeds are taking care of will be in the homes of patients. And it will directly affect them and it might get on their radar then. I think the purpose here is to kind of promote this voice so we don't run into that issue after the fact. <laughs> we run into it, we meet it head on so me and you and our families and our ecosystem, they have the care that they need and in the home. And if something breaks, they can reach out to a biomed because there should be plenty available to support them because it's such an important need. What do you think about like that the re being the reason of it not being in the mainstream or do you find other reasons that it could not be there? I think also, you know, our, our field is just so niche. Uh, I mean, when you start getting into, <laughs> it's it's more of, I've heard people been asked um, if a biomed handles hazardous waste. I've heard, you know, we get confused with the manufacturing side. Are you the ones making the devices? Are you a person that cleans them or just delivers them? Which that's also part of the job, but it's not, we're, we're so much more involved in 
you know, caring for these devices. Another aspect of it, too, is, you know, the industry is slowly starting to recognize that we need to do a better job at promoting ourselves. The biomed in general, when you go into a healthcare facility, you will be hard-pressed to find the biomed department simply because it's usually tucked away in a maintenance hall in the back of the hospital or in the basement or, you know, out of eyes. It's never near the C-suite or, you know, near the general patient care areas. So a lot of people don't have eyes on, you know, the biomed shop in general. I mean, I've, I've gone into healthcare facilities where I was looking for their biomed department and the department was on the floor that the nurses were working on and they had no clue that it was there. These are people that worked their day in and day out with biomeds and had no idea that they had a department right down the, you know, right down the hallway from them. So we need to do a better job at promoting ourselves. And hopefully through my podcast and along with many others that are getting into the fray that, you know, we're going to continue to uplift the field. But I mean, it's just not a socially recognizable field as of yet compared to when you think of, you know, somebody wanting to get into the medical profession. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I want to be an anesthesiologist, radiologist, uh, medical admin. I... (sighs) You'll hear this story all the time from biomeds that we only got into the field because somebody randomly told us about it. I mean, when I was getting into joining the army, I had no clue what a biomed was, but luckily my recruiter had enough foresight to, you know, tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey, if you're wanting medical and you're wanting something technical, get into this field. And I've never looked back. And that's been the story for so many people. One, if you're going through the military avenue, but also for those that, you know, maybe they're doing a career change or maybe they're, you know, have a friend of a friend that just happens to mention it or they're aware of it. But still, we just need to do a better job at promoting the career field in itself. And that will really help, you know, elicit supposedly, you know, meeting that labor change that we des- desperately need to, you know, facilitate. Oh, absolutely. And Chase, thanks for your service in the army and obviously to patient care from Biomed. You actually have two prongs of, you know, just community service there. Um, I really, I really think that you're absolutely right. You know, the promotion of this field is needed. And, you know, I love the fact that this is called no filter healthcare because you're giving us everything that people need to hear and need to listen to. Are there any other thoughts that you want to share with the audience before we close up here? The biomed in general, uh, we have um, kind of like a funny moniker that we always give ourselves. We are the ninjas of the hospital or the unsung hero just because, you know, we don't have a lot of eyes being aware of what we're doing. You know, maybe a device goes down in the middle of the night and, you know, it's very critical. The biomed swoops in fixes the issue and the patient and most of the staff are none the wiser. So all I would say is if you are a person in the medical realm that is aware of the biomed, I will promise you that, you know, an occasional thank you or something that just, you know, simple, just let them know that you appreciate them goes a very long way just because we don't hear it a lot. Um, If you are a patient you know, I would encourage you next time you're in any kind of medical 
area of getting care for whatever your, your owies or boo-boos may be. I just suggest that take a look at that medical device and you'll see some stickers on there. You'll see who serviced it, when it was serviced, and when the next time it's going to be serviced. The level of organization, detail, care, and commitment to patient care and the safety of patients, uh, you will be hard-pressed to find anyone more dedicated and more wanting to do a great job at ensuring that that care continues to be optimized for you than a biomed. A biomed is one of the most selfless people. And I, this has nothing to do with me putting myself in there. This is, I've came across so many of my colleagues within, in the realm of what we do. And every one of them are fully committed to making sure that we're doing the job day in and day out to make sure we don't have those issues. And I, I would just encourage you to maybe learn just a little bit about the biomed field and, you know, just give a little bit of thanks here and there. And it goes a long way. Well said. Everyone, please thank your biomeds, patient or doctor. If you see that sticker and you see somebody in the room, you can give them a thank you because you're being serviced by a machine that they touched. Now, uh, Chase, I really appreciate you being on our show. I'm really excited about the topics that we talked about and seeing what the response is. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person in the future here soon, maybe at a show. I'm not sure what your next one you're going to is, but please let me know. Um, and for the audience out there, don't worry, Taylor and Tamara will be back. And I'm sure you'll hear from me again sometime soon. But in the meantime, thank you so much from hashtag NoFilterHealthcare. Been a pleasure. Thank you.